All right. Hello. So, Casey, you and I have been planning this episode for a little while now. We have been gathering things to bring with us for this episode, something a little different than we have done in the past. We are giving our unsolicited advice and opinions um, <laughs> yeah. post online. So they're posting questions, they're posting stories, they're posting mm -hmm. their thoughts about higher ed. And we're going to add our two cents, even though nobody it's, asked. It's, I mean, it's a little more than two cents, I'm guessing. Um, but this is what we did. So we, yeah, we've been talking about this for a while. And um, so it's like an advice column. It's unsolicited though. I mean, nobody asked our advice and we're offering it. Um, but what Jamil and I did was we both, so we've gone off and like found stories and situations to share with the other one. So I have a set of um, questions, stories, situations that Jamil doesn't know about. And yeah. so, and he has the same for me. Um, and we're going to uh, take turns sharing those with each other to get candid responses um, and, and to see what happens. So yeah, I've been, we've both been sitting on this stack of stories, um, excited to share them with the other one, which we're doing now on the podcast for the first time. For the very first time. Okay, so you found all of yours on Reddit, is that right? I did, I did. Okay, me too. And I, I just want to address this real quick that I'm thinking like faculty who are listening might be, or even staff might be like, really? Y'all went on Reddit <laughs> to find stories. However, I will say that uh, I actually found an Inside Higher Ed article about this from 2019, like pointing out like, hey, if you don't know how influential Reddit is in higher education and around higher education, you should know. Because that's where folks are going, professors, students, staff, prospective students. Um, that's where people are going to ask questions. That's where a lot of the real talk around schools and higher ed happens is on Reddit. Yes. So we're, we're bringing in the use of social media and this is going to be exciting. So Okay, so who's, who's going first? Well, you are because apparently you have three categories. Oh, I do have categories for you. Um, so it's sort of like, it's, it's, a, it's like Jeopardy. Um, okay, so I have 10 possible uh, stories for us to work with in three categories, Jamil. Okay. So your options are roommates. Oh. Mental health. Okay. And professor problems. Oh. <laughs> Okay, so just for folks listening, Jamil did not divide his stories into categories. <laughs> I'm just being extra. Yes. I'm an, an old person who watches Jeopardy sometimes. Okay, uh, I'm going to start off, though. I'm going to pick faculty professor problems. Oh, interesting. I didn't think you'd pick that one. I am going to pick that one first. Okay, great. Okay, so here we go. The title, the title for this is "No One Ever Talks in My Class," and I just need to vent. Four things. This is just one of those classes where a total of twelve people are enrolled, maybe six or seven regularly attend, and none of those students ever talk, either because they're shy, or they're ESL, or they're tired, or they're not just not paying attention. 
I can ask them what they ate for breakfast that morning and no annoy me. I try to devise group activities that are fun. And no matter how well those group activities go over my earlier classes, this class just doesn't say a thing to one another. They go through the effort of sitting next to someone in their group, but then they just work on their computers in silence. It's so sweaty and awkward. It makes my skin crawl. I need the semester to end so I never have to go to this class again. <laughs> what will you tell this poor professor? I have definitely been in classes very similar. Um, I think everyone has been to a class that is just awkward from the start. Oh, yes. Quiet, dreadful. <laughs> it's nice to hear that the professor also is dreading the class because I'm sure those students are as well. Um, what I would say is to be a little bit more creative. So maybe it sounds like, okay, they're not responding well to these group activities you have done in the past. Mm -hmm. You're asking them icebreaker questions in the beginning of class. It doesn't seem to be working. Maybe try changing the location. So mm -hmm. I know at our institution, we have chairs outside. So maybe try hosting class outside to, you know, break up some of this weird energy going on. So I would say give that a try. Um, also, maybe give them projects in which they have to present. Hmm. So you're making them talk more and less of you, and hopefully they can start communicating with each other. Like, okay, we read this chapter. Can you present on said chapter for your peers and have your peers, maybe with a rubric, give them feedback on their presentation or on their chapter or something like that to get them at least talking more with each other. I'm not sure what the group projects were, like how like much you had to work together, but maybe when you're looking at group projects, really focus on communication um, to get them more chatty and lively. Right, but definitely mix it up, right? I mean, yeah. so this, uh, like I'll, I'll say that there are some classes that are just easier than others, period. Um, and that's the nice thing about a semester is like no matter, <laughs> how much you struggle one class, it will end. It will you'll, have end. Another, you'll have another one. So that's a nice thing, both for professors and students. But, um, you know, we certainly learn the most as teachers from the classes that are tougher, um, you know, whatever way they're tough. But when you're, a, so when you're a student in a class like that, what are you thinking? Oh, um, why did I come here today and where I could have been doing instead? Um, I also wonder what time that class is. Is mm. that class like a 8 a.m., a 8, mm -hmm. 10? You know, or is it on a weird day? Is that a Friday class? Mm. You know, is that Monday morning at 8? Like, maybe it's a bad time. Because, like, when classes are that early, students Gosh. are not really awake. They may have had a long, fun weekend. But is I also like, of course, I wonder too, like, because sometimes it's, it's like the group dynamic itself, right? Like, like you'll, like, you'll be a student, you're one, like, we're different types of students in different situations in different classrooms. And sometimes there's like, it almost seems like there's this like unspoken agreement that like, oh, no, we just don't talk in this class. And then the poor professor's like, like dancing up front, like doing anything and everything that they can. And then it just seems like sort of like the norm, the agreement. You know what I'm talking about? You've been I in spaces know. like that? I do. Um, and I'm like, dang, like, what are some ways to break through that? Or what's on students' minds? Because we, 
because you know that everybody's feeling awkward. You got to corral a single student. Like maybe if out of this group of 12, if you know, that's a good idea. Like get that one student to start talking and then maybe that one student will break the cycle for everybody else. Also, maybe a guest professor, like bring somebody else in. Switch up the vibe. Add some more people to this. Yep. Yeah. Get a guest Mm -hmm. speaker, maybe something a little bit more exciting. Yep. I mean, basically, keep trying. Keep trying. Keep trying. Keep trying. (laughs) It's a learning experience. Yes. And hopefully next semester will be better. Mm -hmm. Uh, All right. right. What you got for me? Okay, so I have another one on being um, a faculty member, too. So the title goes as Tired of Being the Token Gay Professor. Mm. Ugh, I hope this post won't be offensive to anyone. I'm 32 female. I am married to my wife, 29 female. We have been together for eight years. I came out when I was 18, but I was privileged in that I did not encounter any discrimination from my friends and family. My family was accepting. I have no problem saying that I'm married to a woman. The thing is, I'm tenured at a very small university and have been cast as one of the go-to LGBTQ plus activities, events, etc. At first, it wasn't a big deal to me, a small event here or there. Now I'm being asked to head a gay slash straight alliance on campus, present to high school students, etc. This thing is being gay is such a small part of who I am. It has never been a big part of my identity. I am who I am, and I've never been super involved with the LGBT community. I know that the community is incredibly important. Many people have received the same, haven't received the same support and acknowledgement that I have. But I don't feel like it's my place to speak about these issues since I haven't personally experienced them. There are so many other things that I'm passionate about. Mental illness, for example. Um, something that I have personally experienced, my own writing, my research, interfaith dialogue, et cetera. Am I wrong for feeling this way? Ooh. Well, okay, lots of things to say about that. I mean, first of all, it reminds me of the conversation we had with Antia and Justin a couple weeks ago, mm-hmm. um, where there's this, a lot of times there's this assumption that people have training around their identity and around their communities around diversity work related to their own personal identity and that's super not the case like this woman she's like yes I'm a lesbian I've been out for a long time I'm married to my wife and also I'm not an expert in that yes (laughs) that's not and that's fair and that is totally fair and especially um you know there were people in my like I have degrees in English American studies and communication And when I first started my PhD in communication, there were um, faculty members who were like, oh, I know you have that degree in gender women's studies. And I was like, really? (laughs) Because I don't. I do not have that degree. But you're looking at me. You're seeing my identity. You're assuming that that's my expertise. Mm -hmm. And that actually happened so many times. And I was like asked to do so many things that I have like moved in that direction in terms of like teaching scholarship research because people keep asking um, and assuming and remembering things that I've done that I actually haven't done before. Like people remember my writing about X, Y, Z, and it's like, that's interesting because I never write about that. (laughs) Um, So yeah, and then we talk a lot about like the the invisible labor, the burden of being the the token of any kind. 
And then you do feel like you are responsible for something that's too big for one person to be responsible for. Yes. Um, Well, she talked about being at a small university. So I'm Mm -hmm. assuming that there's not many openly LGBT staff. And Mm -hmm. so I'm assuming that has led to the hyper-visibility of her identity. And we're like, oh, something's gay happening today? Let's call her. Um, Mm -hmm. I would start saying more no if I was her. I would start saying more no. More no. And then maybe the university would be like, huh, I guess we have to, maybe we should think about hiring somebody else. Because yeah. I sometimes think that, that, and not just about LGBT stuff, but sometimes it's a cover, I think, for universities. Like, mm-hmm. oh, look at these people who are out here in front doing the things. Um, but it's like, meanwhile, you have structural inequity. You have, like, big problems. Like, that doesn't mean that you don't have to do that deeper work. Yes. Yes. That university should hire more people. It needs more diversity. Right, right. And it's a lot, especially with, I mean, no one who's like the single representation of a group of people. I mean, that's too much anyway. Um, But then it's hard too, if like you're the only one and then you have students or people are sending their students to you to to be like, uh, you know, to uh, like, I meet students pretty regularly that my colleagues refer to me like, hey, you should talk to this person or like so-and-so recommended that I reach out to you. I'm trans and I, I actually love doing that, but it also takes a lot of time and energy. It does. does. So I I feel that person, but at the same time, right. You, you don't want them to stop asking you. Yes. Because you feel like you're in this privileged space, being able to help and share and cultivate community. Um, Right. But like, imagine like the, that university starts like hosting all these, these gay events and then like they no longer invite, the, the one at gay professor <laughs> you know what i mean that's awkward that is awkward mm-hmm. so my thoughts are more boundaries and maybe advocating for more diverse staff just so yep. they can share the load here and yes. no it's not wrong for something like that and maybe even having that oh no it's not tokenism and also mm-hmm. are you being paid to do all these extra activities oh yeah yeah because like oh yeah anyone who's a token should get a stipend for that oh yeah like, um, but like we're doing work here. We're, we're, we're public speaking, it seems mm-hmm. like, at schools. We're leading events, maybe even planning set events. Mm-hmm. It sounds like you need to be compensated. Right. And especially, like, never mind the fact that, like, your, your whole, your career is not about gayness. Your career is about interfaith dialogue. It's about mental health. Like, that's where your work is. But then you're, you know, being asked to, to do all these things over here just based on uh, your identity. I mean, my hope is that like 20 years from now, we don't have to have conversations like this. Oh, we will. <laughs> oh, you're so optimistic. They said that 20 years ago too. Mm-hmm. Um, category I'm picking next is roommates. Roommates. Okay. Do you want roommates for like 100 or you want roommates for like 500? Ooh, roommates for three. <laughs> okay, let me see. Okay. Oh, wait, okay. Before I do that, can I just read? Um, let me give you this one as just like just a fun one, and then I'll give you the 300. 
Okay. okay. Assuming this subreddit is for U.S. colleges, do you guys really have to share a bedroom with another person? Curious yeah. Brit here. The idea of sharing a bedroom where you sleep and study and get up to uh, whatever else you get up to with a complete stranger opposite seems so dumb to me, as well as being slightly unsafe, creepy, and giving a complete lack of privacy. As an adult, why would I want to be sleeping across from someone as if we are six and on a school camping trip for one whole year at least? I've only seen it at one university in the UK. Our system's usually apartments on campus where you share a kitchen, but we definitely have our own bedroom and sometimes bathroom. Does nobody find the U.S. roommate practice strange, or is it over-exaggerated by TV? <laughs> it's not over-exaggerated by TV, unless we're talking about American Pie, then that's definitely over-exaggerated. Um, I am aware that the U.K. typically does do single bathrooms and bedrooms. What a dream, right? Mm. It is extremely common in the U.S. to have roommates, but also different styles of living. So, like, typically there tends to be a difference between, like, first and second year students versus upperclassmen in terms of living arrangements. Now, that could look like just one room sharing with two beds or three. I have also heard of four in one room, no bathroom. I have also seen, I've also seen um, rooms where it's, okay, we share a room. There is a bathroom. And it is another room and they both have two beds. I have seen rooms where it's, we all have our own bedroom and it connects to two bathrooms in a living room. Um, some places have kitchens. Depends what you pay for, where you're going and how big the university and what kind of well, they're working with, but it's a little weird. Okay. So th this is a good segue to, uh, to roommates for 300 because, um, there are problems that come up with roommates yes. that are different if you share a bedroom. Yes. That would not be a problem if you shared a bathroom or shared a kitchen it or shared be. a hall. But they look different when it's that intimate, right? Well, yeah. And also, like, no. <laughs> um, you'd be surprised. So, like, when people are picking their roommates, they may pick their best friend from their hometown, and even mm -hmm. that goes sour a lot of times. Oh, for sure. Um, sometimes roommates work really well, and you find the person that you stay friends with for the rest of your college experience and beyond, and sometimes you find out you don't really know the person you're living with too well, and um, y'all don't live well together. Okay, so let me, here's this, this poor student. Let's hear it. Um, and again, this is this is roommates with 300. It's not 500. Um, my roommates won't let me sleep. I knew from the beginning that having roommates for the first time would be a challenge, especially in college. And while my roommates are nice, they just won't let me sleep. Most, if not all of my classes are in the morning. So it's super important for me to get at least six hours of sleep. My roommates know this as well, but they're not considerate at all. They often pull all-nighters, which I really don't mind. I completely understand, but they're just so loud at night. And they have their lamps or personal personal lights. I don't know what that is. Personal lights on, full brightness. They also talk to one another loudly every night or talk on the phone at indecent hours of the night. I have trouble sleeping enough as it is, and the midnight conversations don't help at all. I've told them to keep it low a number of times, and while they do it for a while, they always go back to their loud volume. 
I've tried wearing eye masks or earplugs, sometimes putting in my AirPods and even taking melatonin, but it doesn't work when they talk all night. And the most frustrating part of this whole experience is that they get to sleep during the day all they want while I'm sleep deprived and tired all day. Very what? common. Very yeah. Common. So what would you tell this student? Okay. So there's quite a few things we can do here, right? It seems like you have a decent relationship enough with your roommates, which is good, that when you tell them to be quiet, they quiet down for a little while, then they forget about you and they bring their value back up. Maybe you can suggest that they go to a common area. A lot of residence halls have a common area on the floor or maybe a larger space in the lobby or basement, typically, of their building. So maybe see if that roommate can go to a different space while they want to be loud and festive and then come back when they're ready to go to sleep in your room. So that's a possibility. Um, you can also, like, if you're having these difficulties with your roommate and you're not really making headway, you could always sit down with your RA, which would look different depending on the university, the level of engagement your RA will have. Mm -hmm. However, um, maybe they can help you work out some boundaries with your roommate. Like, okay, between midnight and 6 a.m., our room is quiet hours, right? Like, we don't have any music playing. We don't have any loud conversations in the room. And that's just the boundary we have for the bedroom. Um, worst come to worst, like you can always try to do a room switch, like different campuses have different policies around what that looks like, but the grass may not always be greener on the other side. Ooh, so good point. You may go from, oh, I can't sleep at night to my room's mm. not clean to, mm. I don't like this roommate. <laughs> so like the grass may not be greener on the other side. So I do caution that too. Hmm. But yeah, that's a good point about RAs who can perhaps help mediate. Yeah, because different mm -hmm. RAs have different job descriptions. Like some people um, are only there to take care of the facilities of the building, where a lot of, with some RAs are doing that, plus like roommate concerns, like building concerns, like planning programs. So everyone's, depending on the institution, is kind of doing different things. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, that's hard. That's like your living space. And, you know, especially when you're with someone who's like. I, I would I, say that's a very easy um, problem to have. I have dealt with, I can't even count the number of roommate situations. And that's one of the easiest. Because they're often a lot more complicated. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then they're also like, you know, like this person could talk to them again and they could be like, screw you, dude. They could. I'm going to do whatever I want. Sometimes I've seen where roommates will gang up. Like if there are three people, mm -hmm. I have definitely seen where two roommates will pick a side and then gang up on the other roommate and try to get mm -hmm. the other roommate out. Like, okay, we want to be up all night. We want to party. We want to do X, Y, and Z. And other roommates like, no, I have class in the morning. Mm -hmm. And they're gang up and be like, no, she's the problem. She needs to get out. So I have right. seen that. And that could happen. All right. I'm just keeping track here on my list. Okay. Um, I actually have lots of okay. funny roommate stories. So one of these days, we're going to have to dive into those. Yeah, we should. How would you handle racist slash homophobic students? Mm. I believe strongly in free speech, but I have a policy in my syllabus about diversity and general respect for different races, genders, slash other protected groups. I took students on a field trip and overheard a group speaking openly and quite loudly about trans people and using some nasty slurs. As a parent of a trans person, 
I was very mm. offended and shocked to hear my students speak this way. Mm. So much so that I actually turned and walked away. But now I feel I should say something as it's weighed heavily on my mind. I'm a new pre-tenured faculty member mm. and new to this very conservative part of the U.S. What would you do? Oh, that is a tough one, isn't it? And that it's interesting the way that that person pointed out, I'm in a conservative area, I'm new to the area, to the university, and I'm untenured. Mm -hmm. um, which are all points of vulnerability for this person too. Um, and you're thinking about your response as a parent too. I mean, a lot of times, like as teachers, right? Like students are on their best behavior or like they're on a, they're presenting a, a particular side, you know, like they're not saying, like, I'm not hearing homophobic, transphobic stuff in the classroom of it. And that doesn't mean that my students are not having those conversations outside of class. So this person happened upon this conversation and it was on a school trip, but it wasn't like during a class discussion. I mean, I, my thought when stuff like that happens is always to like get closer to it, um, to get closer to that student or those students to ask them questions. Um, so I might try to set up a, a meeting with them and talk to them about it. But I'd really, I'd honestly have to give that a lot of thought and I would actually talk to other people to see, to get their read on things. Um, yeah, that is a tough one. What are your thoughts? Well, I think, you know, students, like you said, definitely show a very particular side of them when they're mm -hmm. in the classroom and a different mm -hmm. side when they're like in res life, when they were on school trips, when they're like, outside of the academic classroom. And so when having these conversations with students, some of the best way I like to frame it is around professionalism. So even though you are not technically sitting in a classroom and having a discussion, people mm -hmm. are watching you. Even when you don't think people are watching you, mm -hmm. they are listening into your conversation. They're watching what you're doing at all times. And even if you don't necessarily know, someone might overhear that kind of comment and come to all these different conclusions about who you are as a person. Mm -hmm. And when you think about like the role of faculty play, staff, admin play, right? Like if admin seen that and heard that student and, and agree, they may not write you a letter or recommendation. They might mm -hmm. not support you for an internship. They may be less likely to work with you on class projects and X, Y, and Z. And so when I'm talking with students about like racism and homophobia and transphobia and all these things and why it's important to one, be professional in these spaces, right? Like mm -hmm. watch your mouth and be very professional, but mm -hmm. also like to constantly work on themselves because once they leave college, they're going to need the networks they established during that time. Um, and folks may not wanna work with you if you're not a nice person. I mean, that said, like you might be in an area where there's a lot of agreement for those ways of talking yeah. about trans people. You know, that might not actually hurt them at all. It might not. It might not. Um, yeah. Yeah, it might not. I think uh, like there are often times when, I mean, uh, when, when, like when we're caught off guard, mm -hmm. you know, as human beings or like as teachers, it's like, well, you didn't expect to overhear that. Or like you don't expect someone to say this like wild 
like racist or sexist thing in class. And then sometimes we don't deal with it as well in the moment as we can. And, you know, that person, like they heard that stuff and their instinctual response was to walk away. And there's nothing wrong with that. Um, And there's never anything wrong with coming back to something after the fact, like revisiting. And in fact, like, I think pedagogically, that's like a really important thing to do because especially when something is so close to you as to like you're hearing dehumanizing stuff that's about your child like that is a that's an intense um thing but you're in this teacher position these are students and you overheard something they're not talking to you that's a lot going on at once um and it it does trigger sort of like an instinctual maybe fight or flight i guess and then this person flew um and so i would try to be creative about like, how can I establish common ground with these students? Because they obviously don't know the kind of harm that that language has. Yeah. Or, or they not might not get it, but. Of their relationship either. Like, mm-hmm. are they close to this student? Are they not? Uh, That's true. That makes a big difference. Because yeah. they could be close, you know, they could have a good relationship, which would make this much easier. And they might not, which it's still like a very good a very good opportunity. This could be a very good learning moment for that student. But also, like, I was thinking maybe they could sneak in some type of something into, mm. like, their class, like the presentation <laughs> or something they're doing. But they're new to the university. They're a new faculty in a conservative part of the country. They may not, that may not be the best idea. Right. And they're also, like, I mean, I don't know, students record faculty members sometimes and yes. could... You know, so there's, there could be that point of vulnerability too. Like I would, I would like try to have a small group conversation with them personally and figure out how to do that. I liked how you first said asking other faculty around. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's probably a good way to start. Yeah, Yeah, because when something hits you that close, like you gotta, like, you, you're not able to really like think clearly or see that necessarily clearly. Like it sort of needs to settle a little bit, talk to your peers, um, talk to your kid, maybe even mm-hmm. depending on how, depending on how old they are. Um, also, you got to shelter them from things like that too. So mm, that's the toughest one for me yet. You need a tough one. Okay. What do we want? We got, we got roommates, mental health, professor problems um well we haven't well we haven't done um mental problems so let's hit that okay all right having a bit of a mental breakdown with graduation impending hey y'all i'm graduating in may from undergrad and i'm just having a bit of a moment my parents didn't go to college, so they didn't uh, really know what was up when I graduated high school. I ended up putting my entire college tuition and rent on loans, which is the only way I would have gotten through undergrad. I worked weekends for utilities, gas, food, wants, etc. Well, I thought the point of college was so you could get a job that pays well when you're done. I'm looking, and none of it pays well. I'm getting my degree in a flavor of life science. Some of these jobs are offering salaries that are only double what I would pay in rent a year. And I have to pay off these loans on top of that. Like there's no room for savings at all, it seems. Is this normal? I thought with COVID there'd be staffing shortages and everything, uh, but they don't want 
to pay me any more than I would make if I went up to a manager position at the food service place I worked at before. I'm just a bit discouraged and in a lot of debt and very scared. Anyone have tips? I'm applying to a bunch of places regardless, but I don't know what I'm doing. We're all scared. <laughs> yeah, it's a scary time to be a college grad. You know, mm. student loans are as high as ever. Um, wages are just not looking the way they used to look in so many fields. So especially for first generation grads, this may not be the most happy time. I will say it gets better. Um, you don't need to have it all figured out before graduation or even immediately afterwards. I have a few different thoughts of how to break this down. So like many people after graduation get a job outside of their major. So don't feel like you have to stay in this hyper specific field that you studied in college. Mm -hmm. I'm sure your degree can be used in other areas. If you're looking for a job with a certain salary in mind, keep that in mind when you're looking and also apply to jobs with that same level of confidence. Um, I would use your network. Do you have faculty? Do you have admin that you have built a relationship with? Staff you have built a relationship with? Do they know folks that are hiring? Can they help guide you during this time in your life? Um, also, your friends, right? You're not the only person mm -hmm. that is graduating college. You're not the only person mm -hmm. looking for a job. Where are your friends applying? Have your friends already got jobs in certain places? Can they recommend you to get a job mm. where they work? right so like look at some networking keep looking for a job look outside your field if you're comfortable maybe outside the area you're living certain mm -hmm. places pay more so you may want oh, to look yeah. that way in terms of your student loans um you can have a variety of student loans while in college you may have private debt you may have federal debt you may have unsubsidized subsidized loans so i would take a deep dive in looking at your loans and seeing what are the interest rates um, and come up with a plan to pay that off. Like, what loans do I have? How can I pay this off? How much money? How long would that take? And try to tackle those as well. Um, it can be a hard period of time. Have a support system. Be bold and be a little delusional. Um, <laughs> you have to be a little delusional because you'd be surprised where life will take you. So, mm. aim high. I'll say, I mean, when I graduated college, I was applying, I was an English major and they're like, great, you can do anything with that. And yeah. also I was like applying to jobs and like not getting any jobs. Like, so I just kept working at the same restaurants, restaurant jobs that I had. And then it wasn't, and then I moved to New Mexico, got more restaurant jobs, other odd jobs, none of which required a degree. And then eventually after like, I don't know, probably 20 different jobs. Um, I finally got an editorial assistant position at a newspaper for eight bucks an hour. And I was like, this is amazing. You know, just like a foot in the door, but it also gave me opportunities to like, I, I wrote a few stories and then I could move up in that organization. So there's potential to grow and get paid more money than $8 an hour. Um, but it also had benefits. Um, oh, that's nice. But it was just, I got so many no's um, and so many, so much non-response, or I just look and I would be like, there aren't any jobs that I even want to apply for, or they all want lots of experience, but like, I don't, you know, you just need somebody to take a chance on you. Yeah. Because once you have your foot in the door, 
to build experience, then you can move up either in that company or organization or find another yeah. position from there. Definitely like practice interview skills because mm -hmm. you can make a little experience on like a lot of experience. Um, you'd be surprised on like even like a job that most college students have, like a waiter or a bartender, so many skills from doing that one job that can sure. translate into another if you can just explain it properly. Mm -hmm. um, but I always think it's best to know someone. So many people get a job because they have a friend. That That's true. You got to know people. You're hiring. Oh, wait, we know this person. Mm -hmm. uh, try to find some people you know. Oh, and the other thing is, while you are a college student, there are resources available to you, like and even career services mm -hmm. and, and post-grad, although less so. But like, I mean, our university, and there's certainly many universities with more resources than ours, like you can, part of your tuition goes to pay for career services where you can have like one-on-one -on -one career counseling, where they can review your documents, where they can practice interviewing with you for free or actually you've already paid for it. So it's like, you're staying at a hotel and they have a pool, you should use the pool. Like their job is to like help you get a job. And if you graduate and you pay somebody for career counseling, you're gonna pay them hundreds of thousands of dollars for that. So I'd say like, while you're there, max out on those. We're big on using resources yes. that are available to you. Use them all. At our institution, we also have financial advisors. Mm -hmm. That is not just about paying for college, but like after college. So like setting up retirement benefits, mm. paying off loans, figuring out how to pay rent. Um, they can also like give you skills about applying for a mortgage, like mm. car loans, like just the wealth of information that they have. And they can sit down with you and look at how much money you make and how can you make a little bit more money. Um, to come up with your financial goals. So if your university has something similar, I would take advantage. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I do think we should talk about this in another episode, like that transition between college and post, because there is sort of an expectation that like, oh, I'm going to get this very good paying job, like right out of school. And like, for most people, that doesn't happen. That's not like what life is really like, but then we're set up for that. And then we have all these loans. So it's like, oh my gosh, like I have all this debt and I'm making like very little money or I'm really having trouble like sort of connecting to what's next in my life. And that can really have take a toll on your mental health. Also, I should mention there are scholarships that you can like apply for to use to pay off your student debt that you can do post-grad. I don't um, know that. Yeah, and there are grant opportunities to mm -hmm. pay off um, existing student loans that people can look into. Maybe we do an episode on that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we should. Yeah. All right. All right I, what you got for me? I have an interesting one. This one's very long, so I will not be reading the whole thing. But okay. <laughs> there's a lot of a lot of ranting on. Right a now. lot of ranting. <laughs> um, and mm. she also turns this into a lecture, and we do not leave mm. a lecture today. So mm -mm. addressing hygiene in the classroom. Oh. Okay. Yes. Problematic smells, mm. wearing too much cologne or perfume, mm. um, people not showering, mm. general uncleanliness in the classroom is what she's asking about how to address that. <sighs> it also describes it as an environment that is a not safe space for my nose. 
Oh boy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. Okay. Well, um, I mean, I sort of operate generally speaking on the like my body, my choice. Like, I'm not going to tell somebody else how to manage their own body. I will say that, um, I mean, I have friends who are, I'm trying to think of like the name, you know, um, when like folks who have like an allergy to like colognes and other yes. like scents, fragrance. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I'm I know sure. people who are like completely debilitated by that. So when they're going to teach a workshop or, or whatever that needs to be fragrance free or else they will like be sick for days, you know? So I do think that if that's, what this person is mentioning in terms of like cologne and stuff like that could be a request. Mm. I think that's a fair request. Um, that's like an invisible disability for some people um, that impacts their ability to be in public space. I think that's fair. Uh, you know, I, <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> I don't even know how to answer that question. I, I did teach, I've taught classes like in a dorm classroom and I had students who would very clearly just get out of bed and come downstairs within like two minutes to come to our class. And they'd be like in pajamas, their hair all wild, having not brushed their teeth, you know, yes. like all of this. And um, I didn't love that. I didn't do anything to sort of try to correct it um, because I sort of feel like that's not my place. Now, if you're teaching a class, it's like, involves professional development, like a public speaking course, like, et cetera, then I think it's fair to talk about um, that. (laughs) I don't know. I mean, like I'm thinking about just being diplomatic and thinking everybody's in charge of their own body. You know, I'm not gonna tell you what to do with your body. Okay, I have a few thoughts. I have a Mm -hmm. few like serious thoughts and like non-serious thoughts. Um, Okay, so like if you have a student you have noticed right like that were fine throughout the semester and all of a sudden they stop showering they stop dressing the way they oh move. for sure yeah 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 a change in mood change in attitude Something's it's going probably on. worth to talk to that student to decide and see if they're having like a mental health issue for um, sure. are that is that student in crisis is that student experiencing depression x y and z and then try to connect that student to the proper resources of your said campus so if mm-hmm. you're having that kind of problem, I would sure. yeah. look into it. Now, if you just have a student that is maybe just not the most professional in their development yet, right? Like Casey, which we're saying, they're rolling out of bed. They got their matching PJs on, their house slippers. They didn't came from mm-hmm. the dorm, didn't wash their teeth, didn't brush their hair. They're just here for the ride. I do recommend talking about professionalism. Um, it could be a mathematics course. This course could be on biotech. And you can always talk about professionalism in the classroom, I believe. Um, so maybe not pointing out that student directly, but talking about what does it look like to be a professional in this space and what are some of the standards to keep up with. Um, I think also just keeping in mind that you know some students may not have access to running water. They may be housing insecure. Mm-hmm. They may have... Yep like a mental health issue. There may be other things going on with that student 
And I would try to inquire to learn a little bit more about that student to see if you can help them more on their life progression. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so I'm thinking two things. I'm thinking resources and I'm thinking working on professionalism in the classroom, mm-hmm. having mm-hmm. standards for how we operate here. Yep, but it's tricky. That is very tricky. Um, I used to, that used to be one of our biggest roommate concerns. My mm-hmm. roommate smells. Yeah. Yeah. How do I tell my roommate to shower? It's been two weeks. Mm. Um, yeah. Right. And then, and that's one thing if you're a roommate, it's another thing if you are, if you have a professional teacher student relationship with that person. Oh yeah. Roommates are totally different. You know, you live with this person. So yes. Being in a class for two hours is a little different. I would also like, how bad is the smell? Like, can you just open a window? Like, that post sounds very dramatic. Oh, the post was very dramatic. Oh, it was like three pages. Very dramatic. But it is a really great point that, like, you know, so many college students are food and housing insecure and maybe homeless, maybe dealing with all kinds of things, you know, and so to just assume, like, that somebody has access to a shower and it's not taking advantage of that is, is perhaps an assumption that we should make. This is the strategy, just to throw it out there, that this professor is going with. Uh-huh. Um, saying nothing about it, trying to be polite, but then just yelling out, oh, come on. Trying to only breathe through <laughs> the mouth. Um, <laughs> and then if all else fails, yelling out, you stink, and hoping that they don't get something. Oh my God. This person's just being more dramatic. Oh, it's, it, that's why I had to read the whole thing because it was very dramatic. But these are like human problems that, like, are you know, like where we get confronted with people with whom we have different um, standards. We have different ethics, different values, different practices, you know? So these are problems that happen when people come together. <laughs> All right. So we have roommates for 500. Ooh. We we have mental health and we have uh, more professor. Um, I kind of want the professor one, but I'm also like, what is the 500 on roommates? I mean, for you, it's not because <laughs> I've heard your stories, but it's a classic sort of type of roommate situation. Let, let, let me get it. Let, let's hear it. Okay. Yeah, let's do that. Then we can like, then you can crush this category. Okay. All right, college roommate problem. I'm in my first semester of college right now and I'm having thoughts of switching roommates. I'm a black man and he constantly makes cotton picking jokes and and jokes about the N-word and slavery. He also has a drinking problem which causes him to get blackout drunk every time he drinks, even on the weekdays. The problem is me and him are in the same friend group and I feel it would be awkward if I switch roommates. I've also become attached to my room and the people in my hall uh, who I'd have to leave behind if I switch rooms. What should I do? Switch rooms. Absolutely switch rooms. Um, your friend circle your first year in college will change. Also, oh, yes. just because you stay in a residence hall does not mean it will be the same next year. People have to remember that people are constantly moving in, in dorms and out dorms, right? People are joining your university and leaving your university for many reasons. So just because you have an established friend group that will be in, that you believe to be in that hall, 
they might not be there next year, right? They may have transferred to another university, transferred rooms themselves. Um, if your roommate is binge drinking and you don't binge drink, right? Like if your roommate is giving you uncomfortable comments and conversations, it's not worth trying to play nice for your friend circle um, to live in a hostile living arrangement because that can get worse, right? Your roommate is getting blacked out sure. on the weekends and the weekdays. They're already making these comments that are uncomfortable, like what may happen next. So you don't want to put your safety at risk. Um, I would definitely mention it to a staff that works there, that your situation that's happening and see if they can get you into a room that you desire on campus. Um, but I definitely think it's worth moving. I don't think it's worth mm -hmm. trying to avoid awkwardness for your friend group. I'm like just, this person is putting up with a lot and they're yeah. just sort of casual about it. Very. Too. Like, oh, this person's in my friend group. I am like concerned about that. Like why? Yeah. Why is that person in your friend group? Like what are the rest of your friends like? Yeah, and you know, it could be too that, you know, they're just trying to have friends. Like sometimes people come to university and they're so concerned with loneliness that they're yeah. friends with anyone who's really around them. Um, and I think you have to choose your friends, particularly in college, very carefully. Like if mm -hmm. your friends are drinking every day, it's only a matter of time before you join them. If your friends have yeah. the behavior of not going to class, missing tests, like, oh, we don't have to go to class today. We're going to go do this party instead. If you're in that friend circle long enough, now you're playing the party with them and you're skipping class, you know? Right. Your friend circle in college. I can bring you down. Yeah, pure pressure's a real thing. Mm -hmm. Like, so you may not wanna be friends with these people and pick a different friend circle. Cause especially if you live on campus, there's a thousand ways to make friends. Join a club, participate in your in-hall events, find a different get roommate. Out. Get out. Any other roommate probably would be better than that. Um, yeah. Yes. I can only imagine what the room looks like from binge oh. drinking every day. I have an idea. How the <laughs> you can smell it. <laughs> I can smell it from here. I can smell it. Oh, I just, that one makes me feel sad. I'm like, oh, your first semester of college. And I get that feeling too of being like, well, I'm comfortable here. You know, when there's so much that's new, it's nice to like just have a piece that's like. How I said earlier, you how, gotta go. how her story, from the first roommate, like, hmm, be careful moving because it might be worse. For him, I'm going to say move because it's most likely better. Yeah. Uh, also, are you allowed to drink on campus? Like, I know we all have different institutions and different laws, but this is like a first-year student that mm -hmm. might be under 21. We have a roommate that's drinking every day. Mm -hmm. Y'all might get in trouble for having alcohol in your room. For sure. Y'all might get kicked off campus. So if you have a roommate that's been drinking every day, that not, may not be a good idea to stay roommates with them. Uh, may jeopardize your housing. So I'll throw that out there. Oh, there, yeah, that's a great point. Yeah. Save yourself. Save, Save your yourself. spirit, your soul. <laughs> Save yourself. Not the kind oh. of picking jokes, no. Gosh, no. I, do, I do hope that that person switched. I, I, I mean. So. That's the thing we don't know. We don't know. We don't have updates. We're so sorry. We don't have. Updates. But we, but we also know that there are folks who are listening right now who have a similar situation. 
And move. What we're saying is move. Move. Yes. All right. What do you What do you say? You want to do one more each? Sure. Um. Hmm. Oh wow. Last one. Mm-hmm. Well, we can do a sequel. We're gonna have to do a sequel. Uh, what kind of story? Oh, ah, I had so many. I don't know what to end it on, Casey. This is like. You picked hard ones, by the way. I. I have to. <laughs> like, give me a softball, my gosh. Um, I, ha- I have like other ones. Okay. Surprise student, me. Student threatens to drop if he doesn't get an A. Oh, boy. I have a student who has badgered me about his grades since day one. After the first day of class, he emailed me to tell me he really needs an A in his class. Okay, kid, so then it worked for it. Didn't he actually do the stuff outline the syllabus? Of course not. He constantly mm-hmm. shows up late um, and plays around on his cell phone. His mm-hmm. homework is meh. Nevertheless, he has continued to send me constant emails checking up on his grades. All of his grades are available to him and uh, in the system they use. But does he look at them? No. Today, he emailed me for the eighth time of the semester to tell me <laughs> if he isn't going to get an A in this class, he's going to withdraw. I emailed him back a digitally signed withdrawal form in case you need it. <laughs> Is that the end? Yes. What's going on with these students today? That's how they ended it. Oh, yes. I mean, like this, how would you? Mm-hmm deal with that i mean i i do know about um this situation i've experienced many versions of it although at our current institution i see less of that kind of entitlement um but i it often comes from like this is not the case with this student this student is like is slacking and then bothering their professor to give them the grade that they need without actually earning that grade with, and that professor, I think, just like you have to respond, and then you if they're threatening to withdraw, that doesn't harm us. That's your choice as a student. So if you want to withdraw, okay, you know that's your that's your choice. It doesn't hurt me. Um, this is your credits, your education, your choice. Um, but uh, I'll say that there is. With some students, there's like an entitlement to a particular grade. And a lot of times, like some of the, the, the most intense stuff I've gotten from students has been from A minus students uh, who are like- I was so like, close. Yeah, and like, I did everything. Like, how come I didn't get an A? Or like, I did everything. How come I got a B on this final paper? And then I have to just lay out like, and I'm actually quite a generous grader. I think I- my grades are usually too high, um, mm. but I'll have to give a rationale. Like just, this is not to the standard of what an A paper is. It doesn't mean that you didn't work hard on it. It doesn't mean you didn't learn a lot from it, but like, here's an example of an A paper. Sometimes that's helpful too, for people to see like, you know, here's a rubric or here's the standards I'm evaluating your work by. Um, and then here's an example of, of like some A work if it's not clear. And that can help a student be like, oh, I see, yeah, I, I didn't meet that standard. Um, but it, there are sometimes like that professor knew that that, that, was, that student was gonna be trouble. 
since the beginning of the semester. And then, you know, it's very different if you have a student who is showing up and earnestly doing the work. Um, they're on time, they're paying attention, you know, they're doing their best. That student is going to do much better than the student who is acting like this one, coming in late, being on their phone, and then whining about not getting an A. Yeah, why would you get A? Absolutely. Why would you get A? No. Strange sense of entitlement there. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, also, it, grades aren't everything either. Uh, I think no, they're not. Can have an unhealthy relationship during their time in college of overly obsessing about their grades. I think it's yeah. a little understandable. Like, okay, I need to keep a certain GPA to stay in this very high competitive program or to mm-hmm. keep this scholarship um, or to get into graduate school, even though there's other ways to get into graduate school. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, though, um, I wouldn't put my mental health over my grades. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, you know, you may get a C in a class, and that may be the class you have learned the most in. Sometimes it's worth taking a class that will challenge you versus a class that you can easily get an A in. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, your grades are just not everything. True. And, you know, eventually they're not going to matter. Seriously. And also, like, what really matters the most, you already mentioned this, but it's really, like, who you know and your network and your relationship with your professors who are going to write letters of reference for you. All of that, like, that's going to help you in your future more than... Like, did you get an A minus or did you get an A? Yeah. I don't even recall my GPA. I have no idea. I have to go look at you it. You just graduated not no, long ago. I don't have to go look at it. I have no clue. And you're fine. I'm fine. I certainly don't know mine. Yeah, I don't remember it. My high school GPA, I have no clue. Mm-hmm. No clue. Yeah, actually, me neither. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You forget about you your grades. The... Yeah. They were everything and now they're like, you're not going to put your GP on your resume. Don't mm-hmm. be one of those people, please. Do not put your <laughs> on your resume. I don't care if it's a 4.0. Uh, you know, I do appreciate that, that that professor was being diplomatic, it seemed, in how they were writing about that. Yes, yes. And I think it's very hilarious they sent them the withdrawal slip signed. Mm-hmm. Because, mm-hmm. like, what other response were you hoping? Like, <laughs> oh, no, please don't withdraw. Uh, yeah. Okay, well, I have one more for you. Okay. And here we go. This is a short one. So for those who consider their classrooms, labs, studios, safe spaces for minority groups on your campus, do you put up a sign by your door or in your syllabus saying so, or do you feel your behavior and word of mouth suffice? Behavior and word of mouth should suffice. Um, I know there, I've seen those stickers with like safe zone, safe space stickers. I don't necessarily know how effective those stickers are. They may be good for like students that don't know you to identify said space. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if those lead to further interactions or something. how do you put that in your syllabus that this is a space that is safe for protected groups? Something about respect. I don't necessarily know how you would put that in your syllabus. I think it's more about mm-hmm. the classroom environment you create, the boundaries and like levels of respect you create, more about the relationships you're building with students. Um, 
I don't necessarily know like there's a magical paragraph that you can put in your syllabi mm-hmm. to describe that um, or a sticker on your door. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I always, I mean, I, I of course like have my door decorated with a variety of different things. Your office is heavily um, decorated. It's very lovely, yeah. everyone. It's very lovely office. There's a lot of comics, a lot of art. Um, a fancy like, rug. There's a rug. And ha- I mean, we spend a lot of time there, so it should feel homey. Um, so I, I do try to like signify. I have a big like, uh, we exist trans print on my door. That's oh, in, like, the, col- yes. the colors of the trans flag. There's a little like cutout from an old book about, um, it's just a, a picture of a bird, but it has like some little, you know, old timey thing that talks about like a, a, a gay bird. <laughs> But you so also put that up there. People can take like by your door. You have like comics people can take. Oh them, yeah, stickers and like you have like giveaways. So that's fun. So because I do, I do think it's important for like spaces to give a vibe. Like if you just walk in mm-hmm. around doors and there's like it's just all like one oh eight, one ten. You know, like it's just like numbers, but there's no like personality. It can feel like pretty institutional or pretty clinical. So like some signifying I think is nice because it gives you a sense of like, this is what kind of a space this is. And it doesn't mean, like when I see those like safe zone stickers or things like that, the same thing with yard signs, like a Black Lives Matter yard sign. I'm like, I'm noting, I'm noting that you're putting this on your space. And that says a lot, right? You're putting a rainbow up in your space. That says something because if you're, if you're a, a real hater or somebody who's like truly unsafe, you're never going to do that. Mm. Right. But am I also going to get to know you? I'm not going to just be like, Oh, it's safe. I'm going to be completely free and safe here. Yeah. Like but that, you're high. Not necessarily. Right. I'm a sticker. No, no. And that's where I, so it's like a little bit of both, I think, but I, sometimes like if everyone has stickers then they sort of don't mean anything. That is also true. So mm-hmm. I think, what you're saying and i would agree with this it's more about creating a vibe so like not just a sticker full-on mm-hmm. decorations of personality i think mm-hmm. professors should definitely decorate their office and make them look like something that reflects who they are and the environment and the thing they teach and whatnot so i think it's a whole package mm-hmm. but yeah um, there's not a special sticker in my mind like someone can put on the door and be like oh this is minority approved <laughs> <laughs> You know, this is a minority-approved space, y'all. We can go over here. Uh, I don't know what sticker so that would be. Not a sticker of your face, no? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This has been Jamil-approved, this space here. <laughs> I have to think about the rubric I'm giving out for approval. Right. And also, sometimes, like, you ever see those stickers and, the, like, the ink is just, like, faded, so it's all, like, one color? So it's like, this sticker has been here for, like, 20 years. Like, are you up to date? <laughs> or was this, like, 20 years ago you put this sticker up? period or did you just put the sticker up because you got it at a little conference or a training and you put it up afterwards and it's you just put it up mm-hmm. so like a sticker doesn't necessarily mean that like you support x y Z. okay maybe i'm like okay with it and maybe i'm doing mm-hmm. it face but like is that something your students would say right yeah i think it's more about like what are you actually doing in your classroom or in your space like how are you treating people? What kind of environment are you cultivating? And then, you know, you can worry about the sort of decoration on the outside, 
as a secondary piece of that. I totally yeah. agree. All right, Jamila, that was fun. That was fun. Our unsolicited opinions. Mm-hmm. Hope our advice was helpful. Yeah, so let us know, did you like this episode? Do you want us to just <laughs> knock it off and stop giving our unsolicited advice? We might do it again um, anyways. We might do it again anyways. anyways. Um, but yeah, let us know what you think. Uh, you know, rate, subscribe. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Tell your friends. I suppose you can send us stories or questions. You can send us stories or questions. We would love it. We, maybe it, it, this could be a segment. Yeah. So many possibilities. Um, so share that with us. Uh, what else? You can find us on uh, Instagram at Real Talk Higher Ed. So Apple talk to podcasts, us. Spotify, you know, whatever you listen to podcasts, we're there. Yes, and we'll take it. We'll take your your stories, your questions, um, and and we'll take them up on the air if you want us to. All, All right, right Jamel. See you next week.